So before I get into the message, let's bow for a word of prayer. Loving Father in heaven, you have blessed us so much in this conference. And we're so grateful because you have visited us. Your Holy Spirit has been here. And we have heard your voice through what has been shared. And your Holy Spirit has touched our hearts. You've shown how you're transforming lives currently. And there's many who have hope of experiencing it when they go home and in the future. And there are dreams to spread this further and abroad. Father, this is your movement and you have led thus far. And we have confidence that you're going to continue. Thank you. Tonight, Father, I... I need you. I'm not gifted in speaking. And unless you use me like you used the donkey that Balaam was on to speak, um, I will fumble and and, uh, make a fool of myself. But Father, I pray that you will communicate tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, this is the final charge and wrap up uh, for our Growing Better and uh, a little bit like John, uh, Dice Singer, you know, when you're the last speaker, you, uh, you hear what you're going to say said several times over. Um, and I think what he shared at uh, the church service could have been our final charge. It was wonderful and it was a blessing. Um, but I want to just try to wrap up and sum up what I think is the key take home, um, the experience that God wants all of us to have um, and how... Our agricultural experience ties into that. I just have to uh, get this clicker working. And um, all right, great, it's working. So, um, growing better. We're excited to go home and grow better, both in our gardens and spiritually closer to God. And um, so, I want us to just consider this for a second. In Genesis 2 and verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Think about that for a second. Think about that soil that God made man from. What kind of soil was that? It must have been amazing soil that he took everything that is in man from that soil, formed him, and then breathed into him the breath of life. I would love to have some of that soil, wouldn't you? It would be incredible. And I believe that it's the goal of the Adventist farmer, the Adagra people who have got this vision to have soil like that. It would be amazing. And we try to get our soil as close as we can, and we're far from it. But this relationship between the creator, the soil, and man is closer than we think. Much closer. And so... As we consider this, I drew a crude diagram here of this relationship. We have our creator God, we have man that was created by him, we have the soil, and there's a a correlation between each of these entities. God created man through the soil, and, um, and we became a living being created in the image of God and uh, reflecting his image. And um, then man was given the work of taking care of that soil and taking care of the plants that were in the garden. And through that, that was the first school, the Eden school. As man, Adam and Eve, were looking at the creation of God, they were learning more about what God is like, his character. 
And so as they did that and they learned it, they were reflecting more the glory of God. And so um, it was increasing that image of God in, in man. And God uses the, his creation of soil and plants to be an educator to man. And man learns about God from it. And, um, and so there's this, this intertwined uh, relationship that is, is much deeper than I have the words to be able to explain it. But in Genesis 2 and verse uh, 4 and 5, it says this, This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. Now, if we just stop there and think about that last sentence, here it's stating this is the history before God created the earth and there was no man to till the ground. Why did he say there's no man to till the ground? He could have said, and there was no man. Man hadn't been created to this point. But he specifically says there was no man to till the ground. That tells us something. That tells us that God created man to till the ground. That's his work. That's his purpose. That's what God created him for. And um, when you think of every form of life that God created, it had a purpose. When you think about the bees as pollinators, their work is to go from flower to flower, to pollinate and to collect honey and uh, so on. And we could go through a list of things. Everything had a purpose. But God gave the purpose of tilling the ground, taking care of his creation. Um, that was why he created us. And so moving on to the next couple of uh, these verses, 7 and 8, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. There he put man, the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree to grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. So out of the ground that man was created from that amazing soil that has incredible properties, not just mineral content, but it has biology. And um, biology that is the same as is inside of us. Our bodies are made of, of more bacteria than we have cells. It's incredible. And, and research is showing that it's basically the same as what is in the soil. Our relationship is so much closer to uh, the soil than, than we are aware of. And then, of course, we had the fall. And after the fall, the soil changed. Cursed is the ground, God said, for your sake. In, the, in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. So John brought this out. Cursed is the ground for your sake. Now, when we were looking at that three-way uh, diagram, um, well, in fact, it's, here it is. Um, cursed is the ground for your sake. God cursed the very ground that he created man from and that um, is growing the food for man to become still a lesson book for man to see a reflection, not just now of God's glory, his character, and to learn of that, but to now see a reflection of himself in the results of um, 
what's coming, the thorns and the thistles and the weeds and so on. And so God still uses the same means that he was using to educate Adam and Eve in the perfect world now to educate man about his fallen condition and what he needs to do. He's giving a visual illustration, a visual experience, a tactile experience of what um, is necessary for us to do spiritually in our relationship with him. And so the soil and the plants play a vital role. And you will find throughout scripture that um, God with Israel, he showed his favor to them as they were spiritually growing in his image with blessings that blessed their crops, the, the rain that came down, you know, in, in, in uh, Ezekiel, one of my favorite passages that Garden of Renown is based on, it says, Ezekiel 34, 26, God says, I will make them a blessing and all the places, them and all the places around my hill a blessing and I will cause rain, uh, showers to come down in their season. There shall be showers of blessing. So it's in correlation to his people becoming the blessing, the reflection of his character. And then he says, and then the trees of the field shall yield their fruit and the earth shall yield her increase. So we find that this relationship, as man grows in the image of God, God then reflects what's happening in man by the crops and by the 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 the. Uh, the, the the ground that is actually starting to reflect the glory of God. Um, and we, we see that over and over, and we don't have time to, get to look at it all. But I want to show you this. Job understood something about this, this uh, relationship. In Job 31, verses 34 to 40, Job says, If my land, or it could be translated soil, cries out against me, and its furrows weep together... If I've eaten its fruit without money or caused its owners to lose their lives, then let thistles grow instead of wheat and weeds instead of barley. So Job is sitting before his friends. His friends had come to sympathize with him, but then they start saying, why don't you just confess your sin? God is punishing for you for your sin. Just confess it and, and move on, basically. But uh, he was... He had lived a righteous life. God had blessed him in many ways. He was the most successful farmer that the Bible records. And, um, and so he says, even my land, the way that I've been taking care of the soil, feeding the life that is in the soil, taking care of it, and um, they're not crying out against me and, and being a testimony against my unfaithfulness, my, my character is even in the care of my soil is testifying that I, I have not sinned against God. And so he knew that if he became um, the type of farmer that abused the soil, that was just taking without giving back and, and just uh, exploiting the soil, that he would have a, a, a massive crop of weeds and, and uh, thistles and so forth that would grow to testify to his unfaithfulness. And so we see that. And the Bible tells us this. You know, we think about agriculture. Agriculture is a great thing. Everybody should get into agriculture. It's of God. But look what the Bible says. A haughty look, in other words, a proud person, a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked are what? Sin. Are sin. Because the selfish human heart wants to take without giving and exploit. And what's in it for me? And so we find that... Um, God says not all agriculture is good. Not all agriculture is, is going to um, teach you 
the lessons that you need to learn in your redemption. So we find here in the spirit of prophecy a statement that um, is quite enlightening. It says here, the light given me is that it will not be very long before we shall have to give up using any animal food. Even milk will have to be discarded. Disease is accumulating rapidly. The curse of God is upon the earth because why? Man has cursed it. The habits and practices of men have brought the earth into such a condition that some other food than animal food must be substituted for the human family. We do not need flesh food at all. God can give us something else. So man has cursed the earth. God cursed it to teach us, but man has been making it worse and worse and worse and to the point that the animal kingdom, the exploitation of the animals that are grown for food are um, diseased and and are reflecting the unfaithfulness of man and the selfishness of man's heart. And, um, and so we're told that animal food is not safe because of that. So notice this next statement. The greater length of time the earth has lain under the curse, the more difficult it has been for man to cultivate it and make it productive. As the soil has become more barren and double labor has had to be expended upon it, God has raised up men with inventive faculties to construct implements to lighten labor on the land, groaning under the curse. But God has not been in all man's inventions. Satan has controlled the minds of men to a great extent and has hurried men to new inventions, which has led them to forget God. So this poses us a question. The land is groaning under the curse. God in his mercy has inspired men with the capability of inventing and, and uh, building equipment that helps man in this, uh, this condition where the soil is so hard, so barren, that man can't even work it with a broad fork or work it with a, um, a spade. He needs some help. And so God leads men to, to invent things that can help. But then Satan tries to counteract that. He doesn't want man to learn the lessons from the soil. He wants to give them something else that will make them forget God. You know, <clears throat> I believe it used to be that farmers were on their knees a lot. Farmers depended on God a lot. And in modern times and in modern inventions, farmers don't pray. They think technology is their solution. And they're looking to the wisdom of man to solve all their problems and to give them the tools that they need and they can grow and make money and uh, be successful. But in the past, before these inventions of Satan, man was on their knees. Man was praying to God. Lord, I need rain. Lord, I, you know, bless my crops. And so there was more of an openness to God and God was able to, to uh, communicate to them. But notice this next slide. I got me curious because if Satan is leading men to invent things, I want to know what is he leading them to invent. That was written in 1864. That's a long time ago. What was he leading to Satan to invent way back then that um, we should know about and uh, avoid if it's of Satan? And so it got me thinking, and I did some research at the you know, the uh, agricultural industrial development and, and what happened, you know, year by year and uh, try to analyze, is this of God and is it not? And so here I came up with a list 
of things uh, that were developing way back then. And we find that um, in the 1840s, um, practical grain drill patented, first grain elevator, uh, practical mowing machine, irrigation began in Utah, and then in 1849, mixed chemical fertilizers sold commercially. And then it goes on and talks about uh, horsepower replacing manpower. Now, what do you think? Am I onto something here? I've highlighted in red. Is that, do you think that's one of Satan's inventions? I think it is. Because you see, when man is not taking care of the soil, that's a substitute for the, the, the soil that is in that terrible cursed condition that man has made it to be, not resting the land, not taking care of it and feeding it. And so I think that that must be the, the culprit right there, that Satan has led men to invent all these chemicals to supplement or to, to take the place of what God created and designed for plants to grow and to be able to flourish. And then we see that as a result of this invention, um, there's a lot of uh, science coming out now, a lot of research about the human microbiome. Have you seen it? Have you heard about it? There's so much. And now they are coming out with um, um, studies that are showing the correlation between the microbiome of plants and the microbiome of humans. And uh, they're showing that, um, you know, that people that are eating a diet that is rich in um, foods that are grown um, chemically and that don't have a microbiome, um, the... Um, the health of people is, is, is affected by that. And those that are eating a rich diet of, of plants that are healthy and, and have a good microbiome, their health correspondingly is, um, is benefited. You know, the microbiome around the roots of the plant, that's its immune system. That's a big part of its immune system. Just like 70% of our immune system comes from our gut and that healthy uh, microbiome there. So Satan has been leading the farmers to to uh, do this practice, and don't come down on people that are using chemicals. You know, um, we, we, we mustn't go and, and condemn them. They need to be enlightened and prayed for and encouraged um, to, to do it a better way. But anyway, human health is directly, correspondingly affected by this. And what John said this morning about our, our lifestyle centers shouldn't be using Cisco foods, all these chemically grown foods. We need to be giving the best, and I believe the same thing too, as you look at this microbiome issue. And so this leads us back to um, what Alan White talked about, what God planned for Israel. And God planned that men were to cooperate with God in restoring the diseased land to health, that it might be a praise and a glory to his name. So again, we've got the, the three squares there. The land, the soil, and the plants restored to health would be a praise and a glory to his name. So it would reflect his character. And as the land they possessed would have managed with skill and earnestness produce its treasures, so their hearts, if controlled by God, would reflect his character. Can you see the relationship there? So the soil reflecting, man taking care of the soil, like God designed and following his laws, um, will reflect the glory of God and his character. And as a result of man being obedient with the laws for the soil, he will also be obedient in the character development, 
lessons that God is teaching, and then he will be reflecting. So we see that this is an integral part of God's plan. Now, it was mentioned on uh, Thursday by Jared Thurman about the six uh, years and then the seventh year rest, and uh, it was a wonderful presentation. My heart was thrilled to hear that. And, um, and so with this resting the land, it's very easy for us when we learn about that to think, yeah, this is great. I think I need to do it because my soil's going to improve and I'm going to have better crops and better yields and my profitability is going to go up and I'm going to have less pest problems. But when we look at the original statement in the Bible, the first time he, that it's mentioned, notice why it's said to rest the land. It says, six years you shall sow your land and gather in its produce, but the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow. Why? That the poor of your people may eat, and what they leave the beasts of the field may eat, and likewise, in like manner, you shall do with your vineyard and your olive grove. So here we see that God is saying, the reason why I want you to do this, because I want you to be thinking about people less fortunate than yourself. I want you to be providing for their needs, not just for yourself. And in doing that, if you arrest the land, your soil is going to become amazingly improved and fertile. And your character, in, o in obeying me and practicing this, you're going to start reflecting my character and what I'm like. And so this, is, this was God's design. And um, so we find Ellen White continues and she says um, about this, in the laws which God gave for the cultivation of the soil, he was giving the people opportunity to overcome their selfishness and become heavenly minded. So that was God's purpose. You see, he, was going, he wanted to teach man through the soil, through the plants, being obedient to his laws, that they would see amazing results, that God's glory would be reflected and then in, in, in letting the poor and the, the needy um, have access to that, and there are other provisions for them, I'm just highlighting this, this one, that um, they would be reflecting his glory as well. So both the soil, the plants, and man reflecting the glory of God, and that was his design. And as a result of that, um, that... Um, sorry, I didn't click it. I was reading it off my screen, it's not coordinated. So you can see that, that quote there. Through them, the Lord designed to teach all the nations of the world how to cultivate the soil so that it would yield healthy fruit free from disease. So can you imagine um, such amazing gardens, such amazing um, produce and trees and so on that reflect the glory of God that people come and they say, how do you do it? What are you doing? What's making the difference? Why does your, your produce taste better? What is it? And in order for them to learn how you did it, you have to teach them about God and his laws and his character and his redemption, not just of man, but of the soil and um, how that happens. And so this was, I believe, one of God's main methods of reaching the world with the gospel back in Israel's day. Do you think he could do it today? What do you think? Has he changed? I don't believe so. And I think this should be our goal um, as his children to do this. So um, there is a conditional promise that God gave Israel. And notice what it says. It says that uh, when you have finished laying aside all the tithe of your increase in the third year of tithing, 
And, have, and this was another provision that God gave for the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within your gates and be filled. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house and have also given them to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. According to all your commandments which you have commanded me, I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel, the land which you have given us, just as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. So there we see that God was saying, when you reflect my character, when you do what I've said, you're obedient to this, not because of what's in it for you, because... You need to, to be changed and become heavenly minded. Then you can pray with confidence. Lord, I've done what you said. I've been obedient. Now you fulfill your promise to me and bless and make this land the land of milk and honey. Like a garden of Eden. And so God um, gave them the incentive. But sadly, it was not followed. And so we see this emphasis. Create a God. Man, soil, plants, integrally intertwined. God teaching man through the soil, through the plants, that will both reflect his image. We are closely related. And so I believe this, in a small degree, sums up the main take-home point uh, for Adagra. Amen? And I, I hope that uh, this has just simplified it, that you may... Um, just make that the focus of your prayers. Lord, be glorified in my garden, be glorified in my life, and teach me what to do. So let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you. You've spoken to us, you've blessed us. We're grateful, and uh, we pray that the, the blessings promised on Israel that we will experience, and even in the learning process, um, as John talked about, um, those challenging times, and um, the, the text where though the olive fail and the vineyard and so on, yet I will still um, praise you. Father, we want to do that. We want to know that you're our provider and ultimately um, our hope and our deliverance is coming from you, not from our gardens. But bless us in the experience because we want to be fitted for heaven. We want to be heavenly minded. We need it, Father. Our hearts are in desperate need. So bless us to the scene, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.